We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 165 On this episode, we have some news And then we'll be discussing uh, recent episodes of Once Upon a Time, Bunheads, Last Resort, 30 Rock, Parks and Recreation, and Scandal you can find the full show notes with time codes for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 165. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Mel from nicegirlstv.com and true-blood.net. And uh, I'm uh, Daniel Walters from... Uh, I occasionally blog about TV uh, at The Inlander. It's an all-weekly in Spokane, Washington. All right. Well, uh, thank you both for joining me this week. You're welcome. You bet. And uh, one quick announcement before we uh, head into the rest of the podcast. If you're a listener to the podcast and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please come to uh, tvtimes3.com and click on the Leave a Voicemail Message tab on the left-hand side and tell us how long you've been listening to the podcast, why you'd like to be on the podcast, and uh, your email address so that we can get back with you. And uh, we'll try and schedule you to be a guest in February. So far, we have one taker. So if you would like to take one of the other two spots, uh, please uh, call in and leave a voicemail message. And with that, we'll uh, jump into the news. Uh, First up, uh, AMC now has officially announced uh, that The Killing will be uh, coming back for a third season. Uh, Either of you watched the first two seasons or any of The Killing? No. I watched it. I watched the first season and became increasingly angrier uh, <laughs> as it went on. It was such a the, the potential of having a of having a uh, investigation that you know stretches out for a full season or I guess two seasons in the, the Gillings case was was so good. But it decided to instead of doing the wire style of uh, you know going through each part of the investigation, showing how slow uh, police work can be, and, and gradually. Bring it to a close. It decided to just stretch out an episode of Cold Case, essentially, mm-hmm. for an, an entire two seasons, which was not enjoyable. Yeah, it definitely wasn't when it when it ended the first season, and you were like, "Wait, there's <laughs> it's going to be longer." And then when you got into the second season, and you were like, "Okay, so they're not going to tell you at the beginning of the." <laughs> <laughs> the second season it's actually going to be at the end of this right uh, overall it was 20 you know that makes it 24 episodes it's like a full season but that becomes really really long time to do one case and it was interesting in the beginning because of seeing all the different aspects of like the family that was a you know that lost their daughter and and the different suspects and all these things and how it affected all these different people, this investigation, that was very interesting, but it just definitely went on too long. And with it coming back for a third season, I'm, I'm interested to find out whether they're going to like, are they going to do something like in this one season? Like, did they learn their lesson from, from the previous? Well, they do do a a contained story so that it's, Will one you, yeah. season long and done. Yeah. yeah, well, you get the answer at the end of 12 episodes this time. Like, Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I, it could be a good show. I don't. I think it will refuse to be, though. I, I, I don't <laughs> understand. Like, it AMC, will refuse to be. <laughs> <laughs> AMC, 
AMC is such, I don't understand what they're doing. Like, unless there's, there's something like with the producers or, um, you know, some other thing where they're trying to like, or major league where they're trying to like tank the network. This network has been very successful. They just had to bring back the killing to, you know, limit Breaking Bad's run to, uh, to the extent of, of, you know, switching out the showrunner for Walking Dead, which is one of the most financially successful shows of, all, of, of cable history. Yeah, I have to say that one's definitely weird when you have a show that in its third season just like skyrockets. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, we disagree on the way that the, the, the direction of the show. And you're like, wait, the direction of the show is that lots and lots of people are watching it. Isn't that what you want? It was both critically and commercially successful. And so let's not do that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it worked for us for several seasons, so let's do it differently now. Oh, yeah, yes. so I don't understand AMC's strategy because they've been so, at least especially critically, they've been so critically successful. And part of the reason why is because they gave their, their showrunners all this leeway. Um, but now the only showrunner that they're giving lots of leeway seems to be the showrunner of The Killing. oh yes uh amc all right uh the next uh news item on the list uh is uh lifetime has canceled a drop dead diva after four seasons uh oh my gosh i just got into that (laughs) like just got into it well this is the first time i've heard (laughs) that show so i cannot comment on that well it ended up the season on a, a huge cliffhanger and I was like, wow, okay, this is actually interesting. I'm going to go back and watch because they sent me the screener for the finale, and I didn't have time to send it on to the person who actually reviews that for our site. So I watched it, and I'm like, holy crap, that's really good. I need to go back and watch the season, this series, and it is. It's pretty good. And then, bam. Yeah, killed this, it. yeah, this is one of those ones that I don't understand. I mean, I, under, I understand, like, if, you know, production costs are getting higher and, and all this stuff – but then again, I don't understand why production costs have to continue to get higher. You know, if yeah. if they get so high that you have to cancel the show, shouldn't you just cut back on the expenses? Like if if an actor yeah. is making so much money or somebody is making so much money that the only way to they can't make money off of it, then wouldn't it be ready, wouldn't it be better to make a little less money but still have a show? <laughs> it's it, they need to follow the British model where nobody's safe. Yeah, it's you it's, know, it's like I'm watching MI5 now, um, Spooks. I started watching that again, and I just finished watching rewatching Robin Hood for like the fourth time, the the BBC series. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to put any spoilers out there, but nobody's safe. And if somebody, <laughs> you know, it feels like you know, sometimes they're like, well, you know, it's time to renew their contract, and they're going to want more money, so you will blow up in this parking garage now. Yeah. Well, you know, well, <laughs> say goodbye well, to your character. Well, the British model of only having like, you know, two episodes every two years uh, works out well for, uh, for that problem um, as well. <laughs> yeah, that's Slight exaggeration. But this is I one of those that I don't that, understand yeah. on the level that you've had a, a pretty, you know, while it did lose the audience in its last season, you've had a pretty solid fan base for the show for four seasons and then to not give those people that have stuck with you closure. any type of closure after four seasons, I think is completely ridiculous. I think that fine, cancel it, but do a two hour movie wrap up, mm-hmm. you know, like 
I mean, it's Lifetime. They, they're all about doing two-hour movies. <laughs> yeah, plus, I mean, this is a show, I mean, this is, like, perfect for the demographic. You know what I mean? It's kind of iconic for the network Yeah. in in what it, it does. And, and instead, they're, you know, we've got some new reality show about bra fitters. And <laughs> it, I, I don't even know what else they've done. I just... Uh, you mean they you're, must not, be, you're not they watching Double Divas? No, I saw some commercials for it. I'm sad that I know the name of that show. <laughs> that's, that's... Well, I'm glad you do because I couldn't remember what it was. I knew it was a play on Double D, but I couldn't remember what it was called. Yeah, but I think that there should be something networks. If people stick with your show long enough that it that it lasts for you know thirty, forty episodes mm-hmm. or more, you should not be allowed to cancel it without some sort of closure. If it ended yeah. in some with, – especially with a series like this that ended on a big cliffhanger at the end of every season. I know. With, with that said, though, interesting. I, you know, four seasons is a lot for any show. <laughs> I, I kind of think you know, it looks like there's, there's been you know 52 episodes of this show. Like mm-hmm. ideally, that's that's as much as, as you can really expect. I, I tend to believe that, that, that in, no show – almost no show should go longer than five seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while they should have had some time to wrap it up, it, it kind of makes sense that you know, <laughs> if if the show is not doing what they want to for the network after four seasons, then. But I think that networks sh- tend to know these things. Like partway through the fourth season, mm-hmm. I think they already knew. You know, like, and they could have, you know, they could have told the the showrunners it's likely we're not coming. You know, exactly. We're not coming back. The, but instead. Clear that they thought they were coming back yeah, for another. Season. They go through they this full excited. thing, and then it's months and months after, you know, it aired, and they go, "Oh yeah, we're not coming back." You know, that's just. Uh, I think that 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 type of stuff, you know, sort of, it only helps to kill the, you know, sort of kill the TV audience more when you actually have built a strong fan base for a show, and then you just leave them hanging. I think is uh, is kind of wrong. Uh, speaking of leaving people hanging. Uh, the next show, Sci-Fi, canceled Alphas after two seasons. And while I can see why it got canceled, because it never did great, mm-hmm. it's another show that they left. They definitely left everybody hanging with a big, uh, with with the finale of the second season. It was a, that was a show that, I think superhero shows are hard enough to put on for, you know, for either networks or even some of the, the more powerful um, cable networks. You know, I mean, but it seems a little bit hard for a for a network like Sci-Fi to develop a successful superhero show, don't you think? I mean, it seems like it requires a certain amount of special effects that mm-hmm. it's a little bit difficult to to do on a budget. And that was the problem. Even a show like Heroes ran into where the stuff we really wanted to see, you know, these these big superhero knockdown drag out fights wasn't available under the budget of a television show. Mm-hmm. And so I think that and I saw Alphas do some interesting stuff with their characters, but I, I think it was probably limited by that as well. But on the flip side, there's Mis- Misfits from the UK. That's not a huge budget show. True. And they manage it, so I don't know. I don't know what went wrong there. I couldn't get past the first couple of, se- of episodes of Alphas. Yeah, it was I definitely... It was definitely slow, uh, yeah. and it got better by the end of the first season. And then, and the first season really, the end of the first season really was to set up like what they were going to decide to do in the second season. But, 
But again, it was another one of those shows where they changed showrunners and stuff like that to try and change the direction of the show. And uh, I think they may have overall been better off. They had another sort of superhero-y show like this. I'm blanking on the name of it. But I think it might have actually been better. Because like, <laughs> it had more of a more of a fun comic-y bent to it, you know? Uh, on sci-fi? Yeah. There was I can't remember. There was another show that came out. They ended up showing the two-hour premiere for it, but it was about a group of people that all had these different abilities and stuff like that. And uh, they ended up not choosing that one because they didn't want to have two mm. similar shows on at the same time. Right. But I think that one, I'm totally blanking on the name of it, but I, I think that one had, I remember watching the two-hour pilot and going, this this is more fun. You know, <laughs> like, not not necessarily, like, Chuck type of of fun, but but still closer to the, that. This was so super serious that I think mm-hmm. it was hard for uh, people to get well, into. We, you know, Jason, I think that's the trap that a lot of these shows are falling into when they're trying to do this superhero stuff. Is they take it so seriously, they want to be like, <clears throat> you know, the the Batman re- reboot, where it's all grim and you know, and you know. Props to Christopher Nolan. I think he revived that franchise and he did it well. But I can take, you know, I can take two hours of that every three or four years. That's fine. But every week, oh my gosh, quit your whining. Well, that's the whole. Superpowers. Have fun with it. Like maybe the Avengers. I don't know. Something like that. A lot of shows have that same. Problem, and we saw with the, all the serialized shows that came out. We for a while we had you know, V and Flash Forward and all these mm-hmm. these sorts of serialized shows, and they're not. They're what they're doing is they're trying to be extremely grim and serious and gritty, as opposed to going in a more fun, pulpy direction. It's right. one of the reasons why I've I've been urging shows for a long time to to basically adopt the ethos of uh, Prison Break, mm-hmm. where you have all these different you know character actors and you know some of these Amy plot twists. And you're able to have fun with it, in in within that that premise. And mm-hmm. I think TV can do that a lot better than um, it, it's. A, I think it's easier to do, and it also results in a more entertaining, enjoyable product. Mm-hmm. There's a need for more popcorn television. I think there's I, not a need for kind of this uh, self-focused television that, that we exactly. have. We already have those. We already have Breaking Bad. We already have Mad Men. We don't need more of those type of shows. I feel like every show now is trying to make some grand statement about society and the world that we live in. And, and you know, I live in the world. I don't need you – know, I don't watch the news for a reason. I don't need to see that on my fiction either. My yeah, fiction. it's like entertain me already. You know? Exactly, <laughs> which is why I'm so excited for S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean if anybody can figure out how to handle that balance between humor and grappling with these major life questions and events and societal – Issues. It's Joss Whedon. So, let's let's go ahead and get that going. That said, Alpha's had uh, the character of Gary was a very is one of those situations where you have a show that doesn't you know it's kind of a bland show, but he has one very good character. Yeah, <laughs> and that character was like the actor who played him. I mean, if the show had been more popular, I could I could see him winning Emmys. He like per, per, portrayed a person that that could be on this uh, you know the autism spectrum so well and, and kind of almost endearing, but in an extremely irritating way. That, you know, was I was, that I was impressed by his character. Was that the guy that was um, uh, a squint on Bones? Yeah. 
Mr. Nigel Murray, Vincent Nigel Murray. Yes. Yeah, that was the only reason I even tried watching that Alphas. He was the only reason. And it wasn't enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the problems with the Alphas was they had the character that was, um, I don't know if they changed, but this character that could basically control people with, with her mind, from what I remember. Um, which is a very, which is a bad, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is dramatically, it's a bad choice to have a character that can do that. It writes you into a corner. There's way right. too many potholes. Yeah. Well, it just means that you can basically do anything when the fun of television is seeing how you get around the fact that mm-hmm. you can't control a person's mind. <laughs> I mean, most of television... Or then if you don't use that, then everybody's like, well, why didn't they just do that? Right. You know? Most of drama is is uh, predicated on the notion that you cannot control a person's mind, and so you have to figure out <laughs> other ways to get what you want. <laughs> exactly. It's all about manipulation. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, well, it sort of gives you that... that too yeah the too much power type of thing right. i mean that was the problem with keeping uh uh on heroes with keeping uh oh i'm totally blanking on his siler yeah t- keeping siler around past right. the first season was as the seasons went on he just kept getting more and more and more powerful right. to, to to the point where he could look like anybody you know he mm-hmm. could, he was he could you know he now had the, the ability to not be killed, you know, uh, and, and all these different things that it was just like, this is ridiculous now. There's like – There's no way to get out of what you've written. Yeah. That's just too much. And so, yeah, it's, the same type of thing happens with when you have a, a character that can just, you know, if you, they look you in the eye, they can just tell you to do whatever. Well, drama comes from no, – drama doesn't come from having power. Drama comes from having lack of power mm-hmm. and trying to trying to get it or trying to work around that. And you see, the, you know, Superman having the same problem. It's a, it's a problem trying to actually create some drama out of Superman because, you know, he can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Which that's is why they had to invent kryptonite. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something that that I think more more shows need to realize is when they're when they're deciding when they're choosing superpowers, what they need to do is they need to decide okay what superpowers are dramatically interesting and creates good dramatic plot lines, which it actually Misfits has done a good job of. Rather than just uh, creating something that is, uh, you know, that could be cool. Right. All right. I think uh, that's enough uh, with the news. And we'll move on to uh, the primetime segment. And the first show on the list is Once Upon a Time, uh, Season 2, Episode 11, uh, The Outsider. So, uh, Mel, this was one of the ones on uh, your list. Uh, what do you think of the second season so far? And uh this episode and where where the season's heading so far well you know it's interesting this actually segues quite nicely from our discussion of be careful what superpowers you choose for your heroes in you know in shows like alphas and and uh, heroes uh, because i feel like the first half of this season of once upon a time kind of got off track because they were giving too many characters too much power and then they kind of were like, oh, my gosh, what have we done? We've got to step back. We've got to find something to um, – like with Regina, she's got all this power. Well, it was contained as long as the curse was in place in Storybrooke. Well, once the curse is broken, they've built her up to be this huge supernatural force, have all this magical power, as we've seen in all the flashbacks. And now we're expected to believe that for love of her adopted son – 
and wanting to reinstate herself into his good graces that she's going to be able to restrain herself from using magic. Well, we've already seen in the past that that's not a driving force for Regina. You know, love of another person is easily overcome by feelings of betrayal and, um, you know, anger. And so now they've had to introduce Hook and Cora onto the scene. And it just, it feels like it's just, it's some backpedaling to get themselves out of this, this hole that they've dug. So the first half of the season, I was not, and I also did not care for this, the three, the triple split storyline where you have fairy tale land that was, and then fairy tale land today, <laughs> today <laughs> with, and then with to- Emma and Mary Margaret. And then plus Storybrooke. Oh my gosh. I just, I recapped that show for our site and I was, I missed like three because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I can't figure out what they're doing. None of this is working together. I know that eventually they're going to get back over. I'm just going to wait till they do that and then start again. <laughs> so it feels like we've kind of reset now and we're kind of back to the formula that worked in season one. But I'm waiting. It, I'm waiting for it to get to be as exciting as it was. I'm, I'm still not quite feeling it. But I have high hopes. Yeah, I think there's been, I mean, there's been a a couple of interesting episodes within the first part of the season. Like, I did, when they did the episode where you had now Emma in Fairytale Land, Mm -hmm. but then they did a flashback to her in real life where you saw, you know, that With Michael Raymond James, and yeah, that was really interesting. I liked that. That was, that was interesting of taking like a, doing the reverse of what they had been doing, you know, type Mm -hmm. of of thing and uh you know some of those have been have been interesting but yeah sometimes there's been a little bit too much going on uh mm-hmm. but you know in the the last couple episodes though I'm still a, kind of amazed and interested in the show of how well they are able to continue showing you a backstory you know from fairy tale land of mm-hmm. you know things that happened in the past to and hooking them in with you know what's going on now Mm-hmm. in Storybrooke and stuff like that, that once, you know, magic came back at the end of the first season, you're like, okay, now what are they going to do? Like, and they've told you a, a pretty decent story of what happened in mm-hmm. Fairytale Land. Like, oh, there's still lots more, you know, yeah, there's in still that story more to the to, story. To, yeah. To, and that's what I love in. is that there, there really is so much for them to mine still, you know, they just touched like the tip of the iceberg for, um, the Captain Hook story, and I really love how they made Rumpelstiltskin his crocodile. That just, I was, my jaw was on the floor. I loved that. I love it when they are able to integrate various story, um, fairy tale characters or, or story characters, I guess, and, in ways, just such unexpected ways. Like the whole um, Aurora Mulan Prince Philip thing. That was, I, I really liked that. Of course, then he got put into a coma so they just reintroduced him again in, in this last episode so um i'm i'm looking forward to seeing more of his and mulan's story um but just you know and, and then having mulan and bell work together um i loved it that cinderella was at snow white's wedding you know just stuff like that i just i like when they so, were able to do that so having never seen this show, it, it, it continues to sound in, entirely crazy and hilarious just hearing <laughs> people talking about it. <laughs> so which I'm wondering what what new uh, what other story or fairy tale characters you'd like to see. I mean, what would you like to see in the future for this show? Um, I think it'd be really interesting now that they've introduced Captain Hook and therefore the seafaring aspect. 
<laughs> of fairy tales, I think that would be a really great way to bring in Ariel, the Little Mermaid. Right. That makes sense. I think that could be pretty cool. They very briefly touched on um, Wonderland, and so there's a I mean there's a lot of potential there that they just haven't really been able to focus on because the focus is really Snow White and Prince Charming in their story, and everything is kind of expanding out around them. And but so we're getting little bits and pieces here and there. Um, let's see who else would be good. I was surprised when they brought in Mulan because she's a non-traditional uh, fairy tale character. I thought that was pretty neat and it really just opened up the ideas. And what they did with Snow, with um, with Red Riding Hood, that was another one where my jaw was on the floor. Gosh, I don't know. Who else to bring in? Hansel and Gretel have already kind of been dealt with. Yeah, there's, there's I mean, but then they've done stuff like what did you think of them and, and again tonight of bringing in Dr. Frankenstein <laughs> I was, I liked it. Again, it was unexpected, and it it expands the universe of potential um, characters. But I'm also a little bit confused about where they draw the line. Yeah, like what? You know, I well, mean, are we going to see Mister Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet? Like, here? what sort of fictional characters are we? Yeah. You know, how... Do they need to draw the line? I mean, that's a that's a. It sounds like. No, that's my question. Is is where where are they going? Where do they? Where do they see the line, and therefore who's off limits and who's not? So, Maybe that's the thing. Maybe nobody is. You know, yeah. Ultimately. Well, then it could, it starts reminding me of um, these books that I used to read, and then they just got so just abstract and and obscure. I couldn't follow them anymore. But um, oh, what was his name? Ford. He wrote the Air Affair. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of these. No, but okay. It's um, Jasper Fjord. It's his name, and it was it was a, a books and a fiction series about a universe where books are basically religion, and you can enter books, like you can go inside books, and so the protagonist of the series is kind of a cop for books, and. Yeah, so someone if you know a character disappears and she has to go in all these books and and find them, and so you get these cross um, po- this cross population from various pieces of literature, like the so page master. Yeah, so it's kind of starting to remind me of that, and and that it worries me a little bit because that can get pretty unwieldy pretty quickly. Yeah, because because so. pretty soon they have way too many uh, yeah. characters or something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I just I just wonder what's where what's their limit? What's their um, what are their parameters as far as who can be a part of this world and and who is not considered um, storybook or fairy? I mean, because clearly we're not just in fairy tale anymore. Frankenstein is not a fairy tale, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know either. But uh, it's definitely continues to be interesting though to watch. Uh, I'm still interested because of the storytelling style of the show, mm-hmm. the the, and how they're able to 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 keep those, you know, to be to continue to keep those going. Mm-hmm. Keep all of it, and how they keep that stuff straight. You know, what part are of this story that we're going to tell? And overall, you could piece the flashback stuff together, and, and you could create a linear storyline yes. out of it. Uh, is is what's amazing about it. I wonder if in the writers' room they have like this giant timeline 
and they just decide each week, okay, this is our theme for the week, so we're going to discuss this part of this character. Yeah, background. we're going to jump back to this part yeah. of the – yeah, how much do they have fleshed right. out? Right, and they're just waiting uh, ahead right. of time. Yeah, and they're just like, okay, well, this is – we'll tell this part of this flashback story as, um, because it parallels what's happening in Storybrooke right now. Yeah, that'd be interesting to, to mm-hmm. find out. I bet it's really hard to get in that room. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's probably really hard to get a straight answer from somebody that's probably, been in that, yeah. <laughs> in that room. All right. Uh, the next show on the list is uh, Bunheads, uh, Season 1, Episode 12. Uh, Channing Tatum is a fine actor. <laughs> I like Channing Tatum. Uh, just <laughs> a know, great title for He an doesn't episode. try to be what he's not. I have to respect him for that. He's. <laughs> He's working with his gift within his, you know, his gifts. So, <laughs> well, no, because he he uh, co-wrote and produced. Well, he co-wrote and produced Magic Mike, you know, and he got Steven Soderbergh on board to film it to direct it. So, I mean, he's doing something right. Well, Twenty One Jump Street was one of the best comedies I'd seen in a long time. I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, uh, not ironically, it was a genuinely funny comedy. Oh, good. I have it on my DVR. I haven't watched it yet. Watch it. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. That's definitely worth a, a watching. That was that was really good. So, do you agree um, with the, that statement that um, Channing Tatum is a fine actor? <laughs> I think in the way that yes. it was delivered, I do. <laughs> it's meant to be slightly <laughs> ironic. <laughs> a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, but then I I like Channing Tatum fine enough. I mean, if if he in the right thing, like I think he totally works in you know something like uh, uh you know. It's, in, in some of the movies that he's been in and some of the movies that he's been in, you're just like, yeah, this is <laughs> outside your wheelhouse, you dude, outside your wheelhouse. <laughs> how did you end up here? Other than that, you look the way that you look. Well, well, when it <laughs> works when he's not generic. I mean, the problem with a lot of these, these actors, they, they kind of cast him as just this generic guy that looks handsome and that's not a very good role for anyone. And I don't think that, <laughs> that, that he works all that well in that role. Yeah, that's what I mean. He, I think he's figured out where where his niche is, and he's pretty good about making that his focus. So, well, it's kind of like Jeremy Renner right now is kind of being cast in these roles that are kind of bland. I mean, you, you want him to be cast in in more interesting roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what do you think of Bunheads as it's a return for its the second half of its first season? Hmm. I it feels like they're kind of getting some things some kinks worked out but I'm disappointed that all of the girls sound the same. They're all reading their lines exactly the same way. Nobody has a unique voice. You know, when you have when you're writing the way that Amy Sherman Palladino writes, which is very distinctive. If in order to not have everyone sound the same, the actors have to have a really good grasp on their character and i just don't feel like it's there yet but i do i think it's coming though i think you can definitely see uh especially in the first couple episodes back that they're trying to give the girls to be more Mm -hmm. independent characters like from the what they were in the first part of the season uh definitely trying to branch them out to show uh a little more story about them uh than they did in the in the first season. So I think that's yeah, good. Get them out of the dance studio and, you know, force them to interact with each other and, and other people in other ways. I like, I'm, yeah, I'm happy about that part of it. I'm really liking Boo, Boo's character. I, I like her because I think I can kind of relate to that sort of having to take over the household at a young age and 
balance that with school and boys and everything. Um, and really not knowing what the heck you're doing, <laughs> but doing it anyway. <laughs> um, I like her character, um, but she's really the only one that's feeling any sort of authentic so far. Well, I think they've ex- I think they've started to show a little more with mm-hmm. Sasha, uh, and and her background, her family life, and stuff like that to give you show you some reason of why you know she was like you know the way that she uh, she was, and so I think uh, that that that's been an interesting story. Although it looks like the story is going like, is she going to end up like she's going to. Living with Michelle. I'm pretty sure that's where it's going. (laughs) Or something. Because then you just have Gilmore Girls. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And on the one hand, I'm like, okay, I mean, it worked before, so maybe it'll work again. I'm not really sure. It seems kind of like an easy way out. But on the other hand, I just want them to get there already so we can move on with that, you know, get finish at that part of the storyline and let's just move on to the real meat of it. Yeah, but I I think overall it's it's doing, you know, it's continuing to find Mm -hmm. its way. I'm and, glad the uh, network gave it time because it was a little touch and go there. And they've already renewed it for a second season, you know, and this is just the back half of the first season. So there are they're guaranteed yeah, and, time to kind of work out some of the stuff that I'm having issues with. Yeah, I think by the end of the season, they'll have sort of figured out. I mentioned last week when we talked a little bit about, it, you know, is, is that to cast a show like this, they had to both find girls that had some acting ability mm-hmm. and could dance. Yes. You know, so allowing them to work into their, you know, acting ability and write to what they're mm-hmm. good at and things like that, I think they've shown, you know, it, it increasingly, you know, goes over over time that that they're doing better with the younger yes. cast uh, are starting to, you know, grow more into their roles and figure everything out. Because the adult cast has been outstanding since the first episode. Yeah, I agree. And that was something – I was actually talking to my mom about it because she decided to watch it over Christmas break or something. And then so she watched the first episode when it came on and we were talking about it. And she said that she was – you know, she's like, I, I don't really know why they cast these young actresses. It doesn't seem like they've got a lot of acting you know, um, experience. So I was telling her, well, you know, they, they had to cast them for their ballet, their dancing for the most part. And that I think that was the real focus because it's – I don't want to say it's easy to learn to act, but I think it's – Yeah, but I also like that they didn't cast like 25-year-olds. Exactly, yeah. They cast young women <laughs> yeah, like, who know how to – who are good at ballet. So that part's realistic and they can learn the the acting you know they needed to know the dancing right off the bat to make that part of the story believable that part of the premise they needed to know that right off the bat and then they could work out these acting keys so well i wonder if ballet teaches uh bad habits for television acting in the sense of of, of the kind of the poise and the way you act in ballet seems very very different mm-hmm. from the way you'd act in television and so i'm wondering if, if it kind of creates a sort of in a lot of these people these women that are these girls that are trained in ballet it creates, um, you know, reserve, a, a certain type of actress. Yeah, a, res- a reserve yeah. or a poise that isn't necess- doesn't necessarily fit into uh, Amy Sherman Palladino's style mm-hmm. of writing. Yeah, she's definitely more loose. She wants her characters to be more loose. Yeah, I noticed also that um, Sutton, who plays the lead, who plays Michelle. Uh, I really like her, and she's phenomenal on stage. But she—it's taken her a little while to settle into the more intimate 
way that TV shows are filmed. You know, there were times during the first half of the season when I just I was yelling at the TV. I am right here. You do not have to play to the back row. I can hear you. <laughs> see your face. But yeah, we see that that Shakespearean trained. Uh, Classically trained actors tend to be the best television actors. Interestingly enough, that have to you know do these. They're stage actors that, that do a lot of Shakespeare, mm-hmm. end up becoming some of the best television actors, which um, yes. I always think think is a little interesting. Because they have to play those very intimate moments, and 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 they got to nail them. And her background is in musical theater, hmm. so she's used to a more expansive, broad singing right. and dancing, yeah, a, a much more broad. Out way of acting that doesn't translate as well to television. But I'm really pleased. Like I said, this so far the second half of the season, um, I think she's got that figured out. She's I'm I'm not distracted by her at all now. Alright. That's uh Bunheads and uh, we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is uh Last Resort, season one, episode twelve, uh the pointy end of the spear. So Daniel, how are you uh Liking how they're ending, or you know, this the show. I just, I'm just saying <laughs> it's ending. I feel so bad because Sean Ryan is one of my favorite. Who who was ran the Shield and Terriers and Chicago Code and Last Resort is one of my favorite showrunners, but he does not seem to have very good luck at um, at keeping a show on the air. Um, and Last Resort always kind of felt a little um, different. They feel like a show that should be on Fox rather than um, than ABC. Because it's a, sh- a show that's very male, military-oriented, as opposed to, uh, you know, ABC tends to have a lot of dramas that are females. It definitely shouldn't be on Thursdays right. at 8. <laughs> well, it's, it's an awful time for the show, certainly. And um, I don't know. I thought that, it, that he that – Sean Ryan tends to create these shows that have some very, very good aspects but also have uh, some flaws here and there. Um, and, I, and I don't think that – I think the show had to be perfect, essentially perfect for it to be able to succeed. Um, and it wasn't perfect, and so it hasn't it hasn't succeeded in a in a commercial critical way. Um, I do like how it's ending. I like I mean I, I like that they're able to to kind of bring it to end in certain ways. Though I'm not sure they necessarily sold what happened with the uh, the XO character with him. I don't know if you've been watching this at all. Um, yeah. Well, I don't necessarily believe that he would that, that losing his wife would cause him to defy the, the captain in this way. He hasn't, I mean, struggling with, with considering mutiny against the captain. They haven't, they haven't shown that arc of that progression yet. Yeah. And he's sort of, but he's still sort of also trying to like bridge the gap, like between right. the two, like he doesn't want to go as far as the cop, right. but he's doesn't, isn't really following the captain anymore. Yeah. It seemed to, uh, to, to really, uh, you know, change his character a lot. And, and that you know that may have been something you know over, that they would have played right. with over time. It definitely feels like even before they've got the word that they're going to be canceled, that they pretty much knew it because these last few episodes seem definitely sped right. up in the types of stories that they're telling. That it doesn't seem you know like half these storylines don't seem like something that they would have been doing till maybe the end of the right. season. I think that's a good idea. How far into production were they when they got the word? It seemed like they had. Like at least three episodes left to film when they found yeah, out. Yeah, they had two or they? three episodes left, uh, at least from what I, what I kind of got. Yeah, they were pretty. Yeah, they were pretty close to the end. But yeah, the last two, three, four episodes though all feel sort of sped up. Uh, but the the last couple definitely. 
Although the the ads mm-hmm. for you know the promo for the the final episode seemed weird in that it didn't look like it was a promo for an episode that was going to give you some sort of closure to this story. I believe I believe like, it'll give us some sort of closure, but probably a little bit like like Terriers gave us a certain amount of closure. Like it'll be it'll be self contained, but it may not solve everything or you know end all the plot lines, which I think is okay. I did find it interesting that ABC was advertising it as the season finale and not the yeah. you know, and, and not the end, which sounded really, really weird because then people were like, wait, is it not canceled? What, well, what's going on? I don't believe like, no, it. They're not going to bring it back for another season, which is which is which is OK. Because yeah. it's ABC. They just they never actually cancel anything until until they like, don't announce when it, they announce they have runs, yeah. until they announce their new schedule and you're like oh it really yeah. is it was always a show though that was better for a like a one or two season show i mean it wasn't something it was a show that, that you could see struggling being able to develop plot lines or like you know keep certain people in a certain place if it went on for three or four seasons and so i think it, it's okay yeah. i mean this is a this is a, a pretty good show and i think it it worked pretty well within the constraints it had and uh the one thing yeah yeah i think one thing no, I've been surprised about with it, with it, they haven't ever shown the president, and he's this 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 character that that like is is kind of these this villain in the background, but they haven't shown him once, which I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah, because it almost seems like there's a conspiracy around the president that maybe the president doesn't even <laughs> know the extent of of what's going on or something. Who knows? They that whole side of it hasn't been. Uh, fully explored as as to what the you know i think you know that's another thing that they could have spent more time on going forward is giving you more about that side of the story uh the the conspiracy back home and and what was going on and uh, you know why they wanted to you know more about the why of why they wanted to create this this war and stuff like that there's never been a Uh, good conspiracy arc on television and so, the, so the, the the by not by shying away from that aspect and just being like, okay, this is something that that exists. It, I think it, it doesn't get into the trap of kind of going down to who are all these shadow figures that have, have you know, caused this from happen. It had you know a simple explanation for for what had happened, and you, you're kind of left to left to fill in the blank yourself, which I think is is healthy for the show, as opposed yeah. to trying to show all these different. You know things that have that happen here and there because television has not been good at doing that in the past. You get mired in the mythology, and then there's too many plot holes, and people right. cry out on it, and yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The um, I think that the main challenge of the show is that they have such a wide range of skill for acting. That the I mean, Andre Brower is one of the best actors on television. Then you have the the character that played the um, the uh, the, the person who's the, the French character that's at the NATO base that just like, just can't <laughs> that a lot of the characters can't necessarily um, match him. Robert Patrick can, but a lot of people can't match his skill in acting, and that drags down the show a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely and and it, it's such a large cast too that uh, to try and uh, give everybody something. Right. You know, to make them not necessarily feel like they're just side characters too. That uh, is is been a, a little troublesome. Uh, the show has always felt like it would have made like a great, like really tight 
like eight episode miniseries. But then it also seemed like for a series that would go on multiple seasons, it also seemed like it would be better off doing what like the following is going to try and do uh, where, you know, you do a short, you know, sort of more cable style right. uh, season. And, and then you might have multiple seasons, but not as many episodes. And then the time frame of which those episodes take place doesn't necessarily have to be. So like you could be two seasons in and 26 episodes, but you could only be, but you could be like a month or, you know, or two months into, into something like this. Uh, I think that some of the, the time frame is, is how you can, you could have done, you know, gone at this, at this longer. Cause it does seem like something like if it was 22 episodes for a season for three or four seasons, but it's, you know, each season is an actual year or something like that. And, you know, pretty soon that just seems so far fetched that you would be like four right. or five years into mm-hmm. something like that. So, yeah. That's one of the things that people um, coming into our True Blood fan site and talking, they get so confused about is, is you know, why are these actors, why are these characters still behaving like this? And, you know, why, why haven't they gotten over that? And it's OK, we're we're heading into season six on that show for the characters. It's been like a year and a half, you know. Yeah, it's all about the the time exactly. frame of you know sort the of timeline. you know kind of like a kind of like a loss that went for seven seasons, but you know it was only a few hundred right. days or you know? thirty years if you, you know depending yeah. on how you look. <laughs> yeah or yeah give or take give or take thirty years. Well, I mean that said, Sean Ryan is one of the the better showrunners at understanding how to do serialization and having self contained episodes and plot lines within serialization, not getting bogged down in oh I have a seven year plan. And so I'm going to try to like make sure everything progresses this slowly, and so the seven-year plan happens exactly as I'm predicting it happens. He doesn't get caught up with that in that trap. Yeah, I think there's something to having uh, an idea of where things will go, but if something's working really well or you hit on something along the way that you don't like, not go that direction because you have this, you know, this set in stone plan uh, in front of you. All right, uh, that's uh, Last Resort, uh, the second-to-last episode. Uh, next week will be the the series finale, which will be... Uh, I'm definitely interested to see how they're going to end things, given how the promo looked and that they did have some time to uh, you know, complete some sort of ending for the show. Uh, the next thing, uh, next show on the list is 30 Rock, uh, Season 7, Episode 10, uh, Florida. Uh, I don't, I don't watch Thirty Rock, but both of you uh, had it on your list. So, uh, who would like to jump in first? There are very few shows that have done this well in their seventh season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it had a period. Thirty Rock had a period where it was a couple seasons in the middle, where it was a pretty, where it became a weaker show as we kind of expected. Okay, shows you know you know in their fifth season, a lot of times comedy are you know become a lot lamer. But Thirty Rock didn't did. Um, like ended up pulling pulling out of that dive, and it mm-hmm. is, is going to basically go out in one of the, I think one of the strongest seasons they've ever had, which is um, which is impressive. And I think it, I think that that you could almost see Thirty Rock probably the show that's the most similar to Thirty Rock has been. Um, I, know, I, could, I could see The Simpsons being a, a very similar show, where it's kind of a wacky broad characters and a lot of a lot of really really quick one liners. And they're able to we're able to do that by um, they're able to use that and able to sustain the show in a way that a lot of other sitcoms did 
Mm-hmm. I feel like this season, since they know it's their final season, they're finally moving some characters, some character development along, and right. you know, and they're speeding some things up, and you know, it was stuff that was just kind of, I don't know, what do I want to say? I was, I've been a casual viewer for right. most of the most of the seven years it's been on, but now I feel like okay, now I can finally get invested because they're making some real changes with these characters. There's a finite ending, you know. This week, what um, Liz is married and has decided to adopt these two children, older children, now, and just as her show gets canceled. So, if it, if this were, if this had happened and we knew it was coming back for another season, I would be like, yeah, whatever. They'll you know they'll come up with some wacky thing and get her out of it and blah blah blah. But since this is the final season, it feels like the stakes are higher and because it's going to stick. Like right. they could actually make her you know um, a housewife in Connecticut with two kids. <laughs> and what's that Liz living like, you know? And right. so I'm I'm really interested to see what they're going to do. And I'm really glad that they are exploring the relationship between Jack and Liz in more depth. Which I've always so it's always been one of the strongest, honestly one of the strongest relationships of television. Yeah. It's, it's I think it's the core of the show. Right. And one of the points that the show made uh, pointed out, I mean very almost explicitly in kind of a meta way was that one of the reasons why the show has been so sustainable and it's worked so well for so many years is it didn't get caught in a trap of oh we're going to have this will-they-won't-they they relationship, and then eventually mm-hmm. on season three, we're going to have them hook up, and then maybe it's going to you know have some trouble, and they're going to break up, and then maybe the, toward the end of the series, they'll get back together again, mm-hmm. with shows like like Scrubs and, and Friends to a certain extent has, have done, mm-hmm. and it's end up created problems for the show's relationships, because they're not they're not actor, they kind of change the way they act around each other, mm-hmm. which um, ends up hurting the dynamic of the show. Right, but Thirty Rock hasn't really done that. It, it's kept the like they've gone out of their way not to do that. <laughs> right, I mean it's had yeah. it's had Liz's different, you know, boyfriends, but they've all been relatively wacky comedic characters. And yeah, they've that, never that, been as important in her life as Jack was. Right, and that's that's the key. Is the show isn't about the show is about you know this person having this life and and you know, creating this show and having you know, fun with her work colleagues. As opposed to trying to find a husband, exactly, or a Jack wife in Ted Mosby's case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ted. Yes, and Let's so I think yeah. <laughs> but I'm happy. I mean, I'm glad the show is ending because it, I know it's going to end on a, on a strong note. It's not going to go this this phase where we're losing a lot of the characters and then has to try to find replacements. It's uh, ending in a in a on a strong way, which I think few comedies can attest to. And it's still just as wacky as ever, but yeah. it, 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 you're right. It's somehow it's stronger for all of its wackiness, for all of the antics that Jenna and Tracy get up to and whatever that thing was with Hazel and the lawsuit. I just, I'm so glad that character's gone. Well, she was a wee, yeah, she was, for all our praise <laughs> we're giving for the seventh season, she was not a good character. <laughs> oh. I don't think she was needed in any way. Like, I don't know why they had her like, it's like just her. to be mean, like just to be yeah. mean to the characters. Yeah, it was, it was just a weird character, but not a weird mm-hmm. in a funny, like not a weird in a way that made sense. Mm-hmm. It was weird in a way that just like, okay, this character is weird and you're supposed to find that weirdness funny. Or, kind of, yeah, kind of like we got away with so much with, um, you know, in particular with Jenna and Tracy. Right. Let's see how much further we can go. But Jenna and Tracy are... are 
Jen and Tracy are very understandable characters. Like their weirdness mm-hmm. comes from a very like Jenna is the diva, and that's exaggerated. The and completely insecure. Right. Yeah. And Tracy Morgan is the the crazy is Tracy Jordan. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a parody <laughs> of his actual persona, mm-hmm. um, and so that w- works well. But they and and but they never really understood what Hazel was supposed to be in her weirdness. Like, is she you know is she desperate? Is she a sexual deviant? Is she a person who just wants to be a star? Yes. They never really understood the character. All of that. Right. <laughs> but I think what really got me with her character was that they they aimed most of her weirdness, if we're going to stick with that term, at Kenneth, who is the most undeserving of that kind of treatment of any right. character on that show. Right. And that just felt cruel. You know, it just felt like they were being cruel for the sake of seeing how far they could go. So I'm just I'm glad that she's. I was very glad that she was gone, and now I'm hoping that that was the last that we will see of her. But I kind of got it. She's like a bad penny. Like a cockroach. (laughs) Nuclear uh, bomb coming, and she'll be fine. Is there any any other thoughts on 30 Rock? You guys are making me wish that I had stuck with it now. This isn't like The Wire. Like You can jump in to any episode of 30 Rock and enjoy it. (laughs) It's in syndication now, so you can just pick it up off and on, you know? Well, I I watched into season five at least. I think mm-hmm. I may have watched some of last season, but it just was one of those that you know it, it was good and stuff. But it it just always fell sort of like last on the list of things that I would catch up with, and pretty soon I would I'd be behind, and and then I you know it would just fall by the wayside, and and I never picked it back up. Uh, you know, even though it was going into the last season, like I was. Like, oh, you know, 30 Rock, The Office, they're going to last season. I'll, you know, watch the last season, and I haven't watched mm-hmm. either one of them. And, uh, but, you know, but, you know, being comedies and stuff like that, you can just go back any time yeah. and, and, and find them and, and you so, sort of blaze through mm-hmm. them, <laughs> and, you know, about 20 minutes at a clip. Uh, speaking of comedies, uh, the next show on the list is Parks and Recreation, uh, season five, episode 10, uh, Two Parties, uh, which I thought. <laughs> Was, was hilarious. <laughs> uh, the, the rotating uh, men's bachelor mm-hmm. party was one of the coolest things <laughs> ever. Well, this yeah. is something. This is something that shows can do. That once they once shows get established where their characters are, they can. A lot of times, shows do this with Halloween, where they have everyone dress up in a costume that fits their character, mm-hmm. and I love that. Those are some of my favorite episodes. But here they were doing with okay, we're going to show like what a what the ideal bachelor party would look like for all the male characters in the show. And it was uh, it was pretty much um, yeah it was, it was pretty much perfect. I I, yeah. I thought I thought that the um, that some of them were better than others. I loved uh, I loved the character. I mean they understand Ben's nerdy character so well in a way that that I think that <laughs> I don't think many shows understand nerds in the way that 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 Parks and Recreation gets the the character of Ben Wyatt. <laughs> it's such a like a, like I could see this is okay. This is probably the average. Um, Right around Parks and Recreation. Uh-huh. That's who the character is, and they're just writing themselves, and it works really well. It does, and yeah, my favorite thing is beer and board <laughs> games. So that's, that's what we're going to do. I thought I was kidding, but I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and I love that it's completely unapologetic. You know that that he gets the the lead girl. You know he gets the girl. Right. And there's no like there's no teasing or anything. I mean, you have the reaction shots from Ron about various things, right? 
but it's all done, you know, with a sense of love and you know that these characters really do care about each other. So, yeah, but he's my favorite nerd on TV. As Sorry, Sheldon. As opposed to like, I was just going to compare it with, with, uh, you know, with Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of real contempt toward the characters, and to mm-hmm. a certain extent, they 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 found other ways with 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 you know Wallowitz to, to kind of fix that character, but there's a real they really desp- sort of despise the characters' nerdiness in a way that you're supposed to laugh at them. Whereas with Ben's character, you're laughing at him more because oh, it's like this guy I know, or mm-hmm. it, this, it, there's a sweetness to Parks and Recreation which yes. The Office didn't have, mm-hmm. didn't have, and a lot of the other shows on television don't have. Which I think makes it one of the stronger comedies. It is because you you actually care about these characters in ways that you don't on a lot of the other ones, a lot right. of the other comedies. Yeah, and and as you were talking about in Thirty Rock of why you were a casual viewer, they've allowed development of the characters mm-hmm. over time in in Parks and Rec. You know, the, with the the different characters have grown. Uh, you know, they've allowed these two main characters to actually get together, and they're not going to do any of this you know shenanigans they're going to keep them together and they're just you know for the rest of the show they're going to be a couple and that's now. part of the joy is uh, watching these two i mean are you kidding me watching leslie nope plan a wedding that's amazing i love that <laughs> we, we already saw her plan and win a campaign and now she gets to plan a, a wedding and he and they have been involved in it too you know they show them as a real team um like with their engagement right. party when they were his parents were coming and they had enlisted her mom to help them with that. And, you know, she had this whole – Leslie had a plan and she had the unity quilt and he was – and Ben had the taxi and the, <laughs> he had his own plan, you know. But they decided, you know, it's unity in that we're going to we're going into this together. And you just don't see that. I just don't see that on shows. I mean even like on Bones, which I just recently quit watching because I don't care anymore um, about, you know, about these characters. I just – I don't see them working together in that way and, and making me care about them in, in the way that I'm caring about these characters on Parks and Rec. That said, I've been disappointed with the city council aspect of the show. Mm-hmm. I cover, I, I cover city council occasionally for, you know, the county commissioners occasionally for um, my newspaper. And there's so much to mine there with, with if you create interesting city council characters. Mm-hmm. They haven't done that. And I think it's because they probably because they don't want to expand behind their, their core cast. But they, what they should do is they should create you know these interesting types like they have for the Parks and Recreation Department mm-hmm. for the city council as opposed to just this one villain type who's just kind of villainous and not all that you know funny or clever. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they did that, it could have made the city council aspect of the show a lot more interesting and enjoyable to watch. Well, I, think, I think that once the wedding is behind her, I think that they will kind of turn their focus back to Leslie and, and politics – Mm-hmm. It's just that right now that's not the focus. But I hope they do, because I, I like Leslie the politician. And the fact that her celebrity crush is Joe Biden, I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And not that I understand where she's coming from on there at all, but <laughs> yeah. I, for her character, it's yeah, perfect. So much, <laughs> yeah, so much so that, like, you know, the episode where they actually yeah. met... Uh, was was ridiculous, or as you mentioned, the unity quilt. There little was a Joe Biden. she she snuck on a little <laughs> Joe Biden picture onto the unity I mean, quilt. Anyone who's been a fangirl or a fanboy can right. totally relate to that, even if it's you know I, I don't understand her choice. <laughs> but I think she would fight me but to even, the death if I claimed any sort of attraction to Joe Biden. So I'm really okay with. 
but I have to like I like what they've done with the you know sort of the cameos and stuff like that this season. Like in this episode, they had a ton, both with you know the Indianapolis Colts players, but then also the Newt yes. Gingrich table. It's like Gergich, Gingrich, you know, it's kind of the same. Okay, I have to say, this season, I am loving what they're doing with Jerry this season. You know, they're taking him away from being just that kind of creepy made fun of guy and giving him, like, real, a real foundation, a real character, a real backstory. I mean, he's married to Christy Brinkley. Are you kidding? (laughs) Well, for a while. That was the best thing ever. Jerry is basically Toby. I mean, that was the character. Yes, exactly. He was this sort of this sad sack that everyone... Made fun of for no reason that the gang got fun of. That was it was like uh, I could I've seen him compared to Butters from South Park, where he's uh-huh. a sweet guy who doesn't deserve the abuse that is given out to him. Mm-hmm. But then you see him in his home life, and it's absolutely uh-huh. marvelous, and it's absolutely you know perfect. He has these you know beautiful wife and daughters, and just you know uh-huh. he's beloved by by everybody. And showing that change of spheres for at least okay, this is how he's able to withstand the abuse to stuff him in at work. Mm-hmm. Is that he has. Yeah, but he also doesn't really notice he doesn't. the abuse he doesn't that understand. much. You know? <laughs> and, and I like, like that it's kind of like when Ben was asking him about how he got married, yeah. <laughs> you know how how this worked out, and he goes completely off the deep end with all these questions. Yeah. It didn't even really phase <laughs> him because he was eating his ice cream cone. Yeah, <laughs> it was a great. Yeah, I like what they. Although I was a little surprised they all like after you know actually after actually caring about Jerry for Christmas all the. They started ganging up on it again, which I, I suppose is typical for sitcoms. But you know, it, it'll take a while for them to you know completely change their thinking about him. But I love that he's getting this like really subtle revenge for all <laughs> yeah. the things they've done to him, and they and he doesn't even realize it. Right. You know, because he's I think he's truly oblivious that that they've been treating him badly because he's just you know in his life that's not. He doesn't get treated that way, and it just doesn't occur to him, like, the fact that no one RSVP'd for his party. Right. And they were like, ha, 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 well, no one's going, blah, blah, blah. And he just, you know, he, he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, but then when they did show up, he was just like, oh, you hey, know. come on in. You know, there's a thousand other people here. Join the party. <laughs> you know, well, there's just, some – it gets to real truth that in some environments, and I remember in, in the high school, there was, you know, some, some group of people where I was, the, I was the coolest person with that group. Mm-hmm. Another group, I was the loser. You know, and it really depends on in the different spheres of our lives, we yeah. have different roles and different popularity and different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're different people, and that's the that's the something that uh, Parks and Rec got at that I don't think that many shows have been able to do. Yeah, nobody's the coolest person in the room all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're in a room by yourself. <laughs> that is true. All right. I think uh, that's enough with the Parks and Recreation. And we'll move on to the last show on the list, uh, Season 2, Episode 11, uh, A Criminal, a Whore, an Idiot, and a Liar of a Scandal. Uh, so, uh, Daniel, what are, you, what are you thinking of uh, Season 2 of a Scandal well, here? I think Season 2 is interesting because a few people have been talking about the way that basically the show has been completely reworked. It's it's we're no longer it used to be basically a procedural of you know kind of um, crisis of the week and these these crisis specialists are trying to fix that crisis and then there is this um, you know the, the serialized arc of, of the president they've completely dropped the crisis element and so now it's just purely about almost purely about the relationship between um, 
between Olivia Thorpe. Well, the crisis has become like their crisis. <laughs> <laughs> like they're dealing with stuff right. that they've created and stuff. There, there hasn't been any outside clients in, in, a, in a while here. It's also here. become a, a political soap opera, which I think is okay. I think that, that there, there's some elements of the show which, which are very, very good. There's some elements which are a little bit more problematic. But I think that I think the character, the actor who plays um, Cyrus, the, the chief of staff, is one of the delivers some of the best monologues on television, maybe rivaled only by Andre Brower. And he's able to, you know, some, do, do some good work there. I'm a little, I'm not, I was never happy with, with the relationship between the president and Olivia Pope just because I'm not a person who's ever going to root for an affair. I think an affair is romantic <laughs> in yeah, any case, like, which, which, which yeah. uh, Shonda Rhimes has asked us to do multiple times, I believe, mm-hmm. like in her, like in her, um, Pretty different shows. I think that, you know. I mean, that was we're supposed to, we were supposed to root for Meredith Grey um, to get McDreamy as opposed to you know his estranged wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and but which I think is is kind of it's kind of difficult. But I don't know. I like that they've they've turned Olivia Pope into more of a villain, which I'm happy to see because I I find her character a little villainous. But they're taking a lot of they're doing a lot of gutsy things with this show. Which I'm, I'm surprised that it isn't something that people talk about more. I've been seeing a lot of buzz about it, and I'm. <laughs> it's definitely in the second season has definitely increased. Like, uh, I stopped watching about halfway into the yeah. first season because you're like, oh, this is you know interesting enough. You know, it's a you know an interesting right. different take on sort of a procedural element of a, you know, it's it's a different type of case, you know type of thing that they're working with, you know, uh, to, to rehabilitate somebody or to help somebody out of some jam or something, you know, that's a different way to go. But overall, eh. And then, you know, I watched the season two, you know, premiere episode just, you know, because I was watching everything as as stuff was coming back, you know, to see what new seasons were going to be like or new shows and, and stuff. And they obviously had a big turn in the last couple episodes of the first season uh, that they start up where one of these, one of the people that was in the firm is like, not who they, mm-hmm. you know, they ha- not who they, uh, right. you thought they were. And, and, and then you find out that that's a smaller piece of a bigger, you know, sort of conspiracy. And then it just keeps, <laughs> it just keeps going out and out and out from there. And it moves at such a speed and they drop, big cliffhangers at the end of episodes that you don't really see coming. Well, it's, yeah, it's becoming uh, the political vampire diaries, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Which I think is, is okay. Like, I think that the TV, yeah. like I was talking about with, with more shows need to be like Prison Break, I think that's okay for what the show is doing. I mean, like, I'd like to see, I'm a little uncomfortable with, with showing how, like, this supposedly strong woman is, you know, obsessed with this man. There's a kind of a part of me that kind of think that's a little... That's a little sexist in a way. I mean, although like, Shauna Rhimes shows tend to be about strong women crying, it's like the typical yeah. <laughs> long line for any of her shows. But but it's it's something that I don't know. I, I think it's something. It's a show that continues to. It's interesting and it's doing interesting things, and I think that that for all its flaws, that's that's encouraging to see. I'm a little ashamed to say yeah, that I watched the pilot episode and I thought it was pretty good. And I think I watched the first two episodes, and I thought it was pretty good. But I was also pretty sure it was going to get canceled very quickly. Because <laughs> yeah. and so I just I just didn't keep up with it. Right. And now I'm so far behind. I just I don't know if I get a chance to. 
do it to watch it, but oh, well, you can jump into jump into the last few episodes, and I think you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, like there'll, there'll be some things like, "Well, where'd that come from?" But you know, you can probably get a get caught up from context and the My, previously ones. Yeah. They also have been doing a really good job of doing these flashback episodes to tell you, you know, or to show you instead of just telling you, uh, you know, of how this this conspiracy came together and, you know, uh, how these different aspects worked and, and stuff. And uh, both with, you know, at the at the beginning of the season with, you know, t- showing you a little bit more about how uh, this one character <laughs> – how they had brought her and you know turned her into this mm-hmm. character, uh, and and why, and then now with the you know the the major conspiracy element uh, uh, behind the show of showing you know just the way they've done the flashbacks and stuff like that, and tying it in with where things are now, I think they've done a really good job with the uh, with this. Is is yeah, it's sort of uh, you know like uh, the Once Upon a Time Vampire Diaries, but in the political arena <laughs> of, of, of telling stories in two different time frames and moving it along at a, at a, at a breakneck pace with big cliffhangers at the end of, you know, not just at the end of like a mid season break type of episode or something, but like every episode, you know, pretty much ends with something, uh, you know, somebody getting shot or somebody else, just the way they leave it, making you think that something is, uh, you know, up this way. But what is really going on? Well, uh, politics, and even for political junkies like me, it is a soap opera. I mean, that's that's why that's why we like. That's why we can be addicted to following politics because we're wondering, okay, what's what's going to happen with the Anthony Weiner arc, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this is this is insane, this is crazy, or this is you know, or. Or you know, all of a sudden this this videotape is this mysterious videotape is released that was recorded in secret with uh, Mitt Romney speaking to donors and you know telling donors things he wouldn't tell to the American people. That's exciting soap opera stuff, and that's why I think it it, it fits perfectly into the um, you know it's 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 very different than the West Wing, but it does some things better than you know it does some things better than a lot of shows that are similar have done. Yeah, definitely. Uh... I wouldn't have thought, you know, going into the second season that I would still be watching it. <laughs> it definitely caught my interest because, you know, the first episode back for this season, it has it. You're like, wait, what's going on? And then it has this ending. You're like, well, I got to watch the next episode and then the next episode and the next episode. And pretty soon, you know, it's halfway through the season and and uh, I'm I'm still watching it, even though, like like you mentioned, I don't really I I never that was part of the thing I didn't like about it in the first season was the sort of the central relationship between, you know, the president and Olivia Pope. And, uh, you know, even if the the wife is, you know, sort of this, you know, overbearing bitch, you know, like you just uh, it's one of those things you're like, wait, this is the couple I'm, I'm supposed to <laughs> I'm supposed well, to root supposed for. To, the, uh, the, the relationship is in a way supposed to humanize both the, of the characters. And that was the whole point of the last episode with with kind of the flashbacks was showing how she was trying to help humanize the um, the president. But the fact is, is that it, it just makes both of the characters seem a lot more weak and a lot more like, you know, like they're these 
like there's these kids still in high school who, you know, can't believe the drums. I mean, it's very like, it's like they're the kids in the, like the, the, the you know, she's the girl in the Twilight book, <laughs> you know, who can't stand to be apart from, from, you know, team president. <laughs> team president yeah. or what is it? Yeah. Team uh, speaker of the house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. the house. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's a, that's a challenge with any love triangle is that you, you weaken the characters and you, 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 you have to be able to show that there's, I mean, that there's, there's, there's depth and there's real angst that does come with, with, with love and attraction. But I don't think that the show has done a good job of, of showing that. Like it, it doesn't, I don't really see all that much chemistry between honestly, the, the president and Olivia Pope. Well, scandal, uh, Definitely a show worth uh, checking out, and uh, that's coming from uh, two people here talking about it that are not exactly the target demographic <laughs> for the show. <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, the last thing on the list is uh, TV on DVD uh, coming out on Tuesday, January 29th. Only mentioning it, uh, Downton Abbey Season 3, uh, you know, the full UK version or whatever is coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. I only mentioned it because it seems like a show that I should be watching. Like, <laughs> I've yet to watch. Have either of you watched? I watched the first two seasons. I haven't started season three yet. My mom watched it, watches a lot. She actually sat down and watched it with my ex-girlfriend. That was like their relationship that they were able to develop. <laughs> and so I, I hear about it a lot. And it's something I, I feel like I should get into. It's sort of my, like, obligation to get caught up with the cultural zeitgeist. But it hasn't been something I've been all that interested interested in, in watching at this point yeah so far i i haven't uh you know even like you know sort of partaken of like one episode or something like that to see you know what it is that see if it it grabs me like apparently it grabs everybody else that you know tries it out uh but uh anyways that's uh coming out on dvd and uh so uh I'd like to thank you both for uh joining me on the on the podcast to talk a little tv this week uh, you thanks, bet. Always a good time. Anytime. And with that, uh, I'll, the the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Streak Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And as always, you can find us at tvtimes3.com or on Twitter at tvtimes3, Facebook. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Those are all places to you know to be able to listen to the show as well as at the website. And also wanted to mention again, if you want to, uh, if you've listened to the show for a while and you'd like to be a guest host, uh, go to tvtimes3.com and click on the t the leave a voicemail tab and uh, tell us why you would like to be a guest. And uh, we've still got two spots open as of, uh, as of this recording. And uh, that'll do it. We sit glued to the TV set all night and every night. Why go into the outside world at all? Nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.